0: Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back uh, for another episode of Business of Film. This is episode number 37. My name is Jesse Eichmann, and you're listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. All right. So today we're doing something that we haven't done before uh, on this podcast, at least. Uh, We're going to stream to you uh, an audio version of a Google Hangout that we recently had. Craft Truck and IndieWire teamed up to host the first ever crowdfunding tips for filmmakers hangout that brought together representatives from uh, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and Seed&Spark. Now, this is really, really cool because we wanted to get everybody together on one hangout to talk about crowdfunding today. It is obviously a hot-button topic for a lot of people. There were I I, I can't tell you how many questions actually came in. There were about 400-odd questions, more than 400 questions that came in uh, either before or during the Hangout. So there was just so much information, and clearly we couldn't get through all of it. But what we wanted to try and do was focus on the big-picture issues, uh, some of the really burning questions that people have. And I think that we answered a lot of those here on this particular Show on on the Hangout, and also just by getting the different perspectives of Kickstarter and Indiegogo and Seed and Spark, you'll also see some of the differences between how these companies approach crowdfunding. And those differences, uh, for anybody who's listening and interested in crowdfunding, are absolutely pertinent to the decision that you would make about which platform that you wanted to use because they're not all the same. They do different things, and they approach the uh, the general idea of crowdfunding in different ways so depending on what you want to get out of your project and how you want to go about it i think this podcast at least would help you uh, perhaps lean towards one platform or the other but i just want to be clear that the the reason why we wanted to do this in the first place wasn 't so much to separate one platform from the other because at the end of the day it 's all trying to crowdfund a project and get something made. The reason we wanted to do this is because there was just so much topical information about uh, crowdfunding that we wanted to bring the experts together and I believe this is the first time that this has ever been done, certainly on this platform in this way and I was really excited. Uh, it was really exciting to partner with IndieWire uh, because they clearly have an awesomely engaged audience. uh, And we've been doing some things. uh, And previously, we had uh, representatives of Seed&Spark and uh, Indiegogo on the show. So we thought, I mean, those are two of our most awesome podcasts. So uh, we thought, hey, what can we do that is bigger and better and can reach a larger audience. So we thought, hey, this would be an awesome thing to do. And so we partnered with IndieWire and Crowdfunding Tips for Filmmakers was born, of which we actually hope this will be the first of many. Now, I'm giving a slightly longer introduction here than I normally would. Normally, I'd like to just dive into these things pretty quickly. But the reason why I'm giving this more extended introduction here today is because well, I'm not on the. I'm not on the show. I'm going to be actually bowing out and leaving it to uh, the host of this uh, uh, of the crowdfunding tips for filmmakers hangout. Uh, and it was hosted by, although co-hosted by Craft Truck and IndieWire, the host and moderator of the hangout uh, is the amazing uh, Paula Bernstein, uh, one of the uh, editors, the filmmaker toolkit and technology editor over. At IndieWire. She's awesome uh, and does a fabulous, fabulous job at moderating uh, the Hangout. And the three participants that we have for which uh, she will introduce in more detail on the show uh, is Mark Hofstadter from Indiegogo, uh, uh, Emily Best from Seed&Spark, and Craig Engler from Kickstarter. So, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, there really is just uh, just a ton of information. And uh, I will, in the show notes for this episode, by the way, this is episode number 37 on Craft Truck. On the show notes for this episode, if you head over to crafttruck.com slash bof37, you'll be able to get a couple things there. The first is you'll be able to get uh, a transcript of the information from this podcast so if you you don't have to you know sit with a a notepad and take notes here you can go over to crafttruck.com backslash bof 37 and you'll get a transcript of the podcast there Uh, and you will also get uh, a link uh, or or we'll, we'll actually embed the video there as well so if you wanted to go and watch part of it you could do that as well so without further ado crowdfunding tips for filmmakers We hope you like it, and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Please leave us any comments or questions that you may have uh, about this episode in particular, especially if there's stuff that you didn't get answered that you want answered, or if there's just any other kinds of uh, hangouts that you'd like to hear. So uh, you can leave those comments for us either on Twitter, at Craft Truck, or on the episode itself uh, under the session notes. Enjoy this episode.
1: Hi, welcome to our Google Hangout devoted to crowdfunding for filmmakers. We are very, very lucky to be uh, partnering with Craft Truck and then to have representatives from three of the biggest uh, crowdfunding companies out there. Of course, uh, you're all familiar with Indiegogo and Kickstarter and Seed and Spark. So we have Mark Hofstadter from uh Indiegogo. Yes. Hello, Mark.
2: Yes. Nice. Uh,
1: thanks for joining us. And then thanks we have Emily. Me. Yep. And then we have Emily Best, who is the founder of Seed and Spark. Thanks for um, having. Me. Sure. Thank you so much for joining us. And then we have Craig, who um, recently joined Kickstarter. Who is work? He's uh, you joined specifically to work uh, with creators in the entertainment space, correct?
3: Yep. Hi, everyone. I've been here since January and work with people like Reading Rainbow and all those kind of great people for great projects on Kickstarter.
1: Great. Actually, if we could all go around, I know you just said a little bit of what you've been up to, but Emily, if you could fill folks in a little bit on uh, Seed and Spark and what you do there.
4: Sure. So we're a a film community-specific crowdfunding platform. Um, We have a built-in streaming platform, uh, marketing, and distribution, so um, we really support the entire ecosystem and life cycle of the film, Um, and we were built by a bunch of filmmakers who wanted a better future in which to make independent film, excuse me, in which to make a living from independent film. Um, and, uh, you know, our main focus is really on utilizing the tools for crowdfunding to help filmmakers build a really robust, uh, growing, and sustainable connection with their audiences.
1: And then, Mark, we, we uh, sort of jumped over you, if we could go back no, to I'm you good. and
2: yeah. have you tell so, us a um, bit about a, what sure. it is. Sure. Sure. I'm, I'm the head of film here at Indiegogo. I've uh, been with the company uh, about a year. Uh, Indiegogo was the first uh, crowdfunding platform. In fact, when it launched, the term didn't exist. It was a term later uh, uh, created by a journalist. Uh, We're the only global uh, crowdfunding platform uh, available anywhere and anywhere. And um, we we offer the largest community uh, on any crowdfunding platform in that um, we are not just limited to creative or to film, but also music, gaming, nonprofit, uh, technology, you name it, uh, you will find those individuals and you'll find that crowd on Indiegogo.
1: Excellent. Well, as, as you know, I mean, certainly over the last couple of years, but I would even say over the last six months, crowdfunding specifically for filmmakers has become so increasingly popular that so many filmmakers we're hearing from are asking, you know, how do you stand out from the crowd? Because there is... There's there's so much competition out there. I would say that is the number one question that that I am hearing, and I wonder if we could go around and ask simply, you know, how do
4: you stand out from the crowd? What is your advice? Sure, I like I can start. Um, I think it's really important to draw a distinction between the crowd and your crowd because those are not the same thing in how you approach it. So. Um, One thing is that, you know, studio films have enough money to market to an entire demographic. Filmmakers don't have the time or bandwidth to reach all men between the ages of 18 and 24. So it really becomes about getting very specific about who your audience is, where they hang out, and how you get their email addresses. Um, And that's a kind of growth in crowdfunding that you can start long, can and should start, long before you launch a crowdfunding campaign. And the more specific you can be about your audience, the more details about their psychographic you can understand, the easier it will be to build the first really important core of influencers that will let you grow and expand that crowd through crowdfunding, and then continue to expand that crowd through production and festivals and distribution and beyond.
1: And then, uh, Mark, what, what, what would you add to that?
2: Um, yeah. So in terms of standing out, um, having your crowdfunding cam- campaign stand out, I think the, the the first thing you have to realize is that you're you're not a special, unique fl- snowflake until you tell people until you show people that you are. Um, in the same way that whether you be a student a studio film or a film that's already in theaters uh, independently, the uh, um, uh, Vimeo or or, or VHX. Um, or iTunes, you still have to find a way to stand out. Um, There are uh, a copious amount of of, of films, um, of albums, of books, of media, of content. Um, And so finding your path, and as Emily rightly said, um, first finding out um, where your crowd lives, um, going to them, learning from them, Um, but also just trying to be different, trying to show us why your project is the one we should be paying attention to, not necessarily giving money to, but just paying attention to in general, because if you can't do that from the onset, it's not going to pay off for you down the road when you Mm -hmm. ideally get distribution. So again, it, it also asks why are you different and then show us why you're different.
1: And Craig, what are your thoughts on the question of how to stand out in the crowd, or your crowd? Yeah,
3: sure. What's, uh, what's really interesting, so uh, pretty recently, Kickstarter passed a milestone of a billion dollars in pledges to various projects. What's very interesting about that number is half of it, 500 million, was in the last 12 months. So essentially, you're not standing out in a crowd. You're not competing with other people who are on Kickstarter or other platforms. It's not a zero-sum game. More people are pledging now than ever before. Um, Can you guys hear me okay? Mm -hmm. Can you turn up a little bit? I can't, but uh, (laughs) perhaps the the moderator can. Um, So the one thing I would say is, you're not in competition with every other filmmaker and Kickstarter, in fact, quite the opposite. Uh, Kickstarter is kind of the deal where a rising tide lifts all boats. So when a Veronica Mars comes in, We see not only Veronica Mars getting a lot of money, but we see a lot more filmmakers around the platform get more money. Um, About 6 million people have pledged on Kickstarter, but about 2 million of those are repeat backers. So there are people who come to Kickstarter looking to fund projects, and it's not, I'm going to pick A versus B, it's, oh, I'm going to go A, B, maybe C, oh, there's a great J over there, Q's pretty good. Before I joined Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. I think I backed 30 campaigns and now that I'm here, it's honestly, it's like a disease. I mean, we just back stuff constantly. There's people here in the office who have backed a thousand campaigns. What really matters for you is, is your project the thing that you want to do? Is it cool? Are you going to reach the audience that you're looking for? Um, You can do that through Kickstarter without being in competition.
4: There's um, Craig Craig brings up a really good point that I think is worth pinpointing here, which is. the rising tide, right? And the point of the rising tide, and the success of the rising tide um, for all of our platforms and across all of our platforms is um, is really based on the individual creator communities understanding how important altruism is. And um, one thing that we know uh, is that on social media, for example, one of the one of the things that gets your projects shared and more visibility is when you're using your platform to pump others. So when you're able to say thank you to someone who contributed to your campaign by also promoting their campaign or also supporting their campaign. What we always like to say in, you know, when we're teaching a workshop to 150 people, if everyone in here donated $100 or let's say $10 uh, to everyone else's campaign, what you would have in here is a great Rising tide, and look how many films would start to get made. So that's something that I think is is a really important point to underline out of what Craig said.
1: And we talked about, or you all talked about, ways to stand out. But what would you say? There's also a way to stand out in a in a negative way and to make a negative impression. What would you say is the most common? Mistake that filmmakers make when turning to crowdfunding and just starting out with a campaign. Uh, Maybe we'll start with you. Oh, sorry. Mark, you can start.
2: Well, I was going to say that they're not ready for it. Um, You know, uh, the thing that I... I, The story that I always like to tell is when uh, I went to a a digital meetup uh, about two or three years ago, and somebody said to me, look, I, I posted the first episode of my web series on YouTube, and it has seven views. Do you think I should tell more people? Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, quite simply, he just, that individual was not ready um, to put his content out there. I mean, ultimately, I did look at the video and the the, the episode, and wasn't very good, but, that's, but that, doesn't, that shouldn't drive it. Um, you know, obviously, that will ultimately play itself out, but, you know, when somebody tells me, oh, I haven't built up my social, I have no social media, or, um, I'm relying on just simple word of mouth, or I'm just relying on press, or I'm just relying on this. Don't just rely on one thing. Um, there is no one path towards having a successful film, let alone a, a successful crowdfunding campaign. And you know, the great thing about Indiegogo is that you know, we are an open platform. You can launch your project at any given time. There is no uh, algorithm to decide whether or not you're actually ready to go. Um, um, what we see is that you know, people can launch and, and sometimes they fail um, but it's those campaigns that take those four to six weeks to build up their social media, to build out that strategy what updates are they, are they going to have uh, seven days in what perks are they going to offer 12 days in, when they know that sort of stuff, they're going to succeed in a much larger way than anybody else Yeah, uh,
4: Seed and Spark what? takes sort of a, a an an alternate approach, which is that we send pretty comprehensive feedback to every uh, filmmaker who submits a campaign specifically around preparation. And then we provide the materials that you need to really be prepared. So a six-week calendar that has everything from your Facebook and social media posts to when you're receiving feedback on your pitch video, which implies that you've made it far enough in advance to receive feedback and re-edit it. Um, And what we find happens when you aren't really prepared is you resort to, to me, the number one worst thing you can do, which is plead. Um, What you start to see on uh, on Twitter and Facebook are these all-caps, desperate (laughs) posts of, you guys, if we don't hit our goal, we're never going to make it. We won't be able to make this movie, and it'll be your fault. And while (laughs) guilt is... Sometimes a powerful motivator. It is not a great audience builder. So I think it's. I think it comes back to if you know exactly who your audience is, you've done a lot of research to figure that out. You can prepare very meticulously in advance for reaching them and growing their uh, their evangelism. Um, and then and then when you hit the desperation moment, which every crowdfunding campaign has, right? Most crowdfunding campaigns see a huge lull in the middle weeks of the campaign, um, no matter how successful they are. And that will cause a lot of desperation. But if you're really prepared, you're not resorting to pleading. Instead, you're resorting to the event that you had planned, the new video that you're going to launch, the new short-term incentive that you've thought of. And it, makes, it turns desperation into innovation, which is where we see the really greatest crowdfunding campaigns um, really sing.
3: Yeah, I would say um, less and less often do we see people who aren't really prepared to launch a, a Kickstarter campaign. Kickstarter has been out there, especially in the film community, for a very long time. I think people, the, the institutional knowledge that people have built up over the years, you know, you can go out there and, uh, you know, get great feedback from people who've done it before. I think um, there's really only two things that I ever see. I don't like to say people make mistakes because for the most part, the projects are great. Um, there is a fear of failure that holds some people back, you know, especially with um creators I talk to one-on-one, you know, a lot of them are sort of hesitant of should I do it? Am I ready? And usually by the time you've found your way to talking to someone in person at Kickstarter, you are more than ready to launch your campaign. So, you know, don't let fear hold you back. Um I think is a big one and also um, at Kickstarter, there are actually 21 people here on staff who do nothing but talk to creators, look over their campaigns, and give them advice. We'll give you feedback on your video. We'll talk to you about rewards. We'll talk to you about best practices. We'll talk to you about, you know, as uh, was mentioned, you know, the, the first and last week of the campaign are often the most important. You're going to see a lull in the middle, typically speaking. Um, you know, there's also things we can kind of guide you through. You know campaigns on Kickstarter that reach 30% of their goal tend to be uh, successful over 90% of the time. So we always tell people, you want to start out strong, you want to leverage both your personal and your professional networks to, to get out of the gate strong. Now, um, what's very interesting is of the failed campaigns that we see, most failed campaigns get no pledges. That means that somebody did not even like tell their mother about the campaign and have her, <laughs> Give ten bucks to get you started. So you know, I, Craig,
2: Craig. just to interrupt, I, I, I thought you said all the Kickstarter campaigns were ready because they had talked to you guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I the question. I, you, you, you said all the Kickstarter campaigners are ready to launch because they talked to you guys. Was that fine? That there was at
3: Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Just to make sure. <laughs> when you're launching. Yeah, no, he was saying. Oh, I mean. Oh, I'm you.
1: speaking. For... Yes, you finish, Craig.
3: So when you launch your campaign, you can select launch now and you can never talk to anyone at Kickstarter and just go ahead and launch your project. Or you can say, have somebody at Kickstarter review my project. Typically, the people that ask for a review of the project and then you literally get a person that will go and look at your project for you are the people who've done a lot of homework and by the time they find their way to us, they're super set. It's kind of the people that aren't really talking to other people about it, not looking for a contact, just want to you know, run in Ghana, and they, they tend to get, you know, not as many pledges or not. I,
2: I, to, to, to that, I agree with, with, with Craig. Um, and sorry, Emily, I didn't mean to, to no, cut no. you off. Um, that you know, the great thing about Indiegogo is that um, what we always sort of pride ourselves on is that from day one, we've been a very accessible uh, company. Um, our CEO Slava Rubin says, if you don't hear from us in, within 24 hours, uh, it, the, whoever you reach out to at Indiegogo, if you don't hear from them within 24 hours, um, they don't belong at Indiegogo. We're sort of the, we like to see ourselves as your friend in this endeavor. Um, people, as sort of Craig stated, um, people are afraid of failure. Um, it doesn't just that doesn't exist just in crowdfunding; it exists in nature in general. Um, People don't like to take chances because what if they do fail? Um, And so here they are taking a chance in a very public forum um, saying, you know, what do you guys think of my project? Is it something that um, you want to support either with your dollar or with your words? Um, And so where we've been here from day one walking people through that process um we don't wait to reach out, uh, wait until our campaigners reach out to us. We reach out to them. Uh, we're constantly scouring our website, uh, both myself, my colleagues. Uh, there's over 100 of us now um, that are here at the company looking at your campaign, seeing, you know what, hey, Bob is doing something great, but he could be doing this, or Mary's doing this, but why didn't you do that? And so, you know, we give out our email addresses. You know, mine is mark, M-A-R-C, at indiegogo.com. We give out our phone numbers. My cell phone number is three one zero three zero seven six nine nine two. We do that because we are accessible. Um, just do me a favor, though. I, I, if you are going to call me or email me, I do have a newborn at home, and uh, let's keep it to, to business hours. But the, the idea there, though, still remains that we are a very open and accessible platform.
1: Um, thank you. I think all, at the, oh, I was just going to say, sorry, I think at the end of the chat, we, we can all go around and talk about the the benefits of our respective services. So I think we'll focus now really on sort of best practices for crowdfunding for filmmakers, and then you'll all have an opportunity to talk about, you know, why you are the right site for all of the filmmakers who are tuned in. Um, I just I wanted
4: to... Yeah. I just wanted to kind of, um, number one, Mark, congratulations. Mazel tov. (laughs) Um, The second thing, and I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to try this. Uh, this is a basic economic concept called an efficient frontier. And I believe that all good crowdfunding is the efficient frontier between the belief in your idea and your desperation to get it made. Right. And Um, what's really important about that is that if you have the opportunity to get feedback on your project, for God's sakes, take it. That Mm -hmm. is a best practice. And that is why all of us either, you know, at at Seed&Spark, we don't give you another option um, because we believe in it so deeply. But Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you know, they set the bar for this, um, having launched years ago, which is that, getting feedback from experts is a best practice <laughs> and we will all offer it for all eternity. Even if, you know, there's a million projects a day, um, we would have to figure out how to offer it because no matter how prepared people think they are when they show up, there's always something that an expert's eyes will catch. And there's always an opportunity that an expert's eyes um, might find for you and, you know. For us, because we're uh, we're a, a niche community, um, we're the whole team is very focused on film, and so we'll we'll kick it around, right? Um, I think it's important to figure out who in your community is best to give you feedback on the pitch video, and who in your community will tell you those incentives stink, or yeah, those are great, and have you thought about this? It doesn't have to also just be. You don't have to rely on us. You may have people in the community, mm-hmm. in your own community, whose opinions you really trust. And definitely go to them even before you submit your project. Um, it'll just save you so much sort of time and, and heartache. Um, and certainly, you know, get feedback on your pitch video from script stage. And that means you should have a script yeah. for your video.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Actually, so true. can, we, can we, can we talk about pitch videos, actually? On to the next next uh, area that's that's obviously incredibly important. Um, Emily, you started us with some good advice for pitch videos, which are namely have a script and get a, get advice and get feedback on your video. Craig, do you have any other
4: – sorry, what was the third one? The third thing, which is that you have 15 seconds before the people are going to decide whether or not to stop watching. And in at film specific, that 15 seconds should be reaching your audience, not your mom or your friend. Uh-huh. So we see a, a huge propensity of people who sit down and say, Hi, my name is John. I am making a thriller. And already the, uh, the, the audience for thriller is gone. Um, mm-hmm. I was just actually tweeted an Indiegogo project of these guys who are making a a sort of thriller-based series called *The Roommates*, and um, I watched their pitch video. And the first fifteen seconds of it are shot like a thriller. And I tweeted back at them, "Good job, guys! That's way to go." So your first fifteen seconds should match the tone of your film. That makes sense, uh,
1: Craig. Do you have other suggestions or thoughts about the sure. about uh, videos, the pitch video?
3: Yeah. The first th- uh, thought is have a pitch video. You're doing a video project, uh, you know, campaigns with videos succeed far more often than campaigns that don't. So the first piece of advice is have a video. Uh, the second piece of advice is have fun with your video. You know. Um, The the people who do great videos uh, are going to do great projects. If you, again, like if you look at Reading Rainbow, you know, LeVar Burton has fun with the Reading Rainbow, you know, video. Everybody has fun. There's a great project on Kickstarter called Night of the Living Deb, and essentially they shot the video like they were in the movie, which was fantastic. We recommend you keep the video to around two minutes. Um, You know, yes, the first 15 seconds is important, but, you know, you want to be able to have time to talk about your project most importantly, share your enthusiasm, right? And you know, this isn't a—you're not going out and asking for people for just money. You're actually going out and telling them like what they're getting and why they should be backing you, and your enthusiasm will come through. Um, have fun with the video. Like I said, you know, there was there was one video that someone launched. I won't say the project, but the first video was a little bit dry, and we were like, well, that's a little bit dry. And then they came back with the second video, and it was awesome. And we were like, well, what did you what did you do between the first and second video? And the person was like, I had a couple of glasses of wine. So they were <sighs> loosened up. They were having fun. Their videos were great. Um, you know, a lot of people will bring their friends and family into the videos to make it more personal. You know, but just explain, like, why, why your project? Why you? What are people going to get from it? You know, everything on Kickstarter is a value exchange. You know, people worry about asking people for money, but you're not asking people for money. What you're doing is you're saying, if you get this money, I'll give you this in return. Well, just explain what the thing is that you're doing. Your passion will come through in the video.
1: And, Mark, is there any area of the video uh, that we haven't touched on that you wanted Uh, to add to?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that um, people sometimes really make a mistake with their videos. Um, Not often, but sometimes. um, People forget to make that emotional connection. Um, this isn't about raising money. Um, again, uh, you know, as I, as I may have mentioned, um, crowdfunding isn't a term that Indiegogo created, even though we were essentially the, the, the first platform to do it. Um, the funding element is really the second or third part in the process. Um, it's just sharing your passion. Um, and to that end, um, you know, some people make the mistake of having a, a trailer for their, for their pitch video. A trailer doesn't evoke an emotional response. It doesn't ask you to do anything. It says, here's this cool thing, and that's it. Um, you're not trying to get them to go to the theater just yet. You're trying to get them to participate in what you're doing. Um, so don't have a trailer, have a video, uh, have a pitch video. And much, as much as you would pitch any other financier, whether it be an equity investor or if you're at a studio level, uh, pitch a studio executive, you want to tell them in a distinct amount of time who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're going to do it, and what they can do. So if you forget that call to action at the end, the entire thing was for nothing. Um, so at the very end, you know, either give a direct link, uh, because that video may be posted elsewhere, uh, give a direct link via annotations uh, to the website, uh, to Indiegogo. Um, and um, just be certain to say thank you, because you should be thanking them.
1: And then there's been—oh, sorry, Emily, you go.
4: I was just going to say the who, what, and why are the three questions you really have to answer with an emphasis on the why, simply because it says, this is what I am making that I think is really valuable. Would you join me on the journey? Um, So, I think the the only uh, other two things I would say is that your pitch video, particularly if you're a filmmaker, is about instilling trust in those you're pitching to that you're going to make a good film, number one. And number two, it's about what you're offering. So if you think of a pitch video as what you're asking for, um, you simply won't get uh, as good a response as if you were to say, um, here is what I propose to offer. Um, and if you've been doing your research on your audience, you should know that they're going to be excited about it um, so that when you say, here's what we need and you can, you can take a part of this to join us on this journey, um, you sort of already know that they're going to be excited to do that.
1: And then how do you determine the right uh, goal to set um, that it's, so that it's not too high and not too low and just Right. Is there any sort of formula for
2: that? Yeah. I would say, so go ahead Emily.
4: I have only one thing to say about that. You should you should raise enough money to advance the project exactly how much you are promising to advance it in your pitch. So if you need $20,000 to complete production and the only plan you have to get that production funds is through crowdfunding, then you should raise $20,000. Um, if you and and that that goal will say, I need to raise for a smaller amount of, of advancement of the project or I need to really expand my network in order to raise this much money. Um, it's really about making sure you raise enough to do what you are promising for the money you are asking for. That's really important because it is about trust and if you, if you, you know, grotesquely undershoot your goal. Um, you won't have enough money to do what you promised, and that can leave a bad taste in the mouths of the new people you're bringing to crowdfunding. Um, and if you, uh, if you can do for 2000 propose to do for 20000 that kind of indicates that you didn't know how much it was going to cost you to do it anyway. So um, it just think about it in terms of what will build the greatest audience trust and what you need in order to do the thing that you're promising. Budget, carefully.
2: Um, I would say um, in terms of setting your goal, don't pick a number just because it feels right um, or it feels like that's what you want people to present, um, you know, or rather rather the audience to perceive. Um, no one um, – eh, oh, I had an analogy. It just slipped out of my head. But the idea of setting a, a $500,000 goal or a million-dollar goal because – man, that looks awesome uh, to the crowd, and they're going to say, well, this guy or this this female filmmaker is a big deal because they have a million-dollar goal. Um, There's only been no more than 10 uh, million-dollar-plus campaigns on the film side, Um, and, um, yeah, having a a big goal isn't going to help you. But as Emily was saying, have a realistic goal. And if you want to raise $100,000, we actually said, you know, maybe, maybe come in at 75, because here's here's why. Um, 89% of campaigns on Indiegogo that hit their goal exceed it. They overfund, um, and often by more than 30%. And the reason that is, is because people, when they see that a goal has been achieved, they, they want it's, to, it's like Americans with soccer right now. They want to jump on the bandwagon, it, it, because... It's, um, and I say that as a a, a fan, (laughs) Um, but people want to be part of something that's real and that's happening. So the faster that you fund, the stronger that you will fund. Um, And so be conservative, be smart about your goal. Um, Is one of the first things that people see. And if you aren't conservative, and if you're not thinking about perception, you're not thinking about strategy, and there is strategy here, if you're not thinking about that, you will not hit your goal and you will not succeed.
1: And then
3: I would say I would say the thing I tell people most often is ask for what you need not for what you want. People see a lot of campaigns uh, on Kickstarter that, you know, they ask for $1,000 and they get $10,000, so they think, well, I should ask for $10,000. Ask for what you need to get the project done. If you ask for too little, then you won't be able to do the project. So that's, that's not a good strategy. Um, you can always raise more, but never less on Kickstarter. So if you ask for $1,000 and you get $1,000, great. Um, if you ask for $1,000 and you only get $800, then no money changes hands, and you're not on the hook to complete a project that um, you, know, you can't fund. So basically, what is, what is the least amount you need that you can still do the project? Um, What we've also seen, and you kind of have to be aware, especially if you have a a project that could really take off, um, is look for what you're going to have to do in success. You know, I've worked on a lot of campaigns. um, I think Reading Rainbow was the one I mentioned before where they wanted a million dollars and they got that in a day. One of the conversations I had with them ahead of time is you are in all likelihood going to exceed your goal. So think carefully of the things that you're offering because if you say, oh, I want to get a signed autograph of LeVar Burton and we think we're going to do 1,000 of them, and you have 100,000 of them, now Lavar is going to be sitting there signing 100,000 autographs and his arm is going to fall off and they're never going to complete the project because Lavar is never going to recover from that. So think about you know not only what the minimum is, but also if your campaign is one of those ones that goes kind of crazy, Like, be aware that you are still on the hook for filling that thing. So, oh, it was a great idea to do, like, a keychain that you're going to mail out personally when you thought 100 people were doing it. When you're personally mailing out 10,000 keychains, it can get a little dicey. So ask for what you need. You can always get more but never less. Um, And, you know, you should have a very good handle on what you need to get the project done by the time you're launching uh, on any site. So, you know, you are the best person to know what your costs are going to be.
1: Budget for cigarette- well, actually, that's a natural. Oh, sorry, that's a natural segue into the question of backer rewards and incentives. And you give very good advice, Craig, about you know people do get uh, you know overly enthusiastic and sometimes offering more than they can deliver. Um, what other um, guidelines would you urge people to keep in mind when set, creating incentives and backer rewards?
3: Sure. How it works. There's, a, there's a couple of basic things that we always cover, which is the, the best reward that you can ever give is a copy of the thing that you're doing. So in the case of a film, you want to be able to give a digital download, a DVD, uh, you know, the the premiere ticket, just some way to see the thing. That's always sort of the best reward. Um, tier wise you always want to have a lower tier in the $1 to $5 range just so that somebody can give their moral support to the project and also that they can give their social media support you know they'll tweet out oh I just backed you know reading rainbow even if it was for a dollar $25 is a very that is the most popular reward in terms of the number of people uh, on Kickstarter that will choose that that uh, monetary value so always have something in the 25 range um, we consistently see the most money actually comes at the seventy dollars range. So it means there are fewer people donating it or or backing at seventy dollars, but they're backing because they're backing more money. You're going to get your most money um, at that tier. So have something great at seventy dollars. Um, we always say have have some really big tiers. You know, a couple hundred dollars, thousand dollars, depending on what it is. Um, experiential awards, things that reward somebody with some meaningful interaction, whether it's, you know, being an extra on set, getting a producer credit. Uh, I was talking to someone today who's going to launch a really great project in early July, uh, a film and TV project. And this guy uh, is very well known and, and, and has done film projects and TV projects. And I'm like, one of the rewards has to be you'll read that person's script and go over it with them in an hour-long phone call, you know, and that can be a high-level tier. Um, there are people that come in, and they kind of know going in what they're going to do. It's very rare that you're going to get somebody who says, oh, I know I'm going to donate $25. Oh, here's $1,000 because of a cool reward. Uh, it's very often that someone will have some idea in mind. Oh, I'll probably give that guy 100 bucks. What's a cool, you know, $100 reward? So make sure that you're, you're not really upselling anyone. You're more like hitting the spots where they're already interested in. Um, uh, limited editions or special things that you can only get, like you're going to get the special edition DVD or you're going to get the one night only this or that. Those tend to be really great because then you're truly rewarding a backer for getting in early and helping your project versus someone who might be able to buy the DVD six months or a year from now. Um those are some of the, the key ones. I'm sure the other guys will have some great ideas as well, but those are some of the ones that work on Kickstarter.
4: That's an awesome framework that you just provided. Um, that was really helpful. So I'm just going to add on top of that, like, yes, everything he said, and here's some, some details that we've noticed. Um, we work a lot with distributors, and um, increasingly the distributors are getting very used to and actually very excited about picking up crowdfunded films. Um, If you are promising a presale, just keep in mind that that affects your relationship with the distributor, right? So if you've promised a hundred or a thousand Blu-rays, don't assume that your distributor is going to pick up that cost. Mm -hmm. Um, So so if you are offering presale and early access, just be aware that that's probably still going to be your responsibility, and you want to make sure Um, not to sort of preclude anything that your distributor might want to offer. Um, And that's just worth thinking through in terms of what you think is the most likely success scenario for your film. The second thing I was going to say about the $25, um, and in films really it's like the $10 to $25 range, Um, we really encourage people to make them personal, visual, and shareable. And that means, for example, um, a young man named Sean Mannion uh, made a short film. Is Actually, he's just uh, wrapped production on a short film called Time Signature, and it's about time travel. So when you contributed to his campaign under at the $25 level and under, he wrote to you and he said, what point in time would you like to visit? And so I was sort of, I was being kind of a jerk, actually. I was like, I want to be at the signing of the Magna Carta, the founding of the government. And I'm not kidding, in 15 minutes, he had found a picture of me photoshopped it into an ancient scroll painting of the Magna Carta, posted it on my Facebook page, and tweeted it. It says, we found Emily Best uh, at the signing of the Magna Carta. Where will we find you? And a link to the project. I, I just want to quickly list all the things that are awesome about this. It cost him nothing. It made me trust him immediately as an artist. I shared it everywhere. Other people, when they discovered that I had the same haircut as a 14th century friar, also shared it everywhere, um, and, uh, and he created something that as a thank you to me could be more publicity for his project. Um, and so it's, it's also thinking about when you fulfill rewards immediately versus when you wait until the project is finished. So he was taking a risk there that maybe the project wouldn't be successful. Um, But he was making sure to say a very personal, visual, and shareable thank you to all of his backers immediately. Um, The third thing, uh, and that's sort of in line with the example I just gave, you want to think of rewards that deepen engagement versus proliferate stuff. In the film space, we are filmmakers. We are not manufacturers, right? So we want to find ways to deepen engagement. So I think Craig listed, you know, on-set visits, walk-on extra roles, Uh, Expertise-related rewards, like a guy reading, an expert reading your script. Um, These are the sorts of things, experiential rewards, that actually then generate more social media fodder for growing the audience. You take a lot of pictures and video of someone's on-set visit, and then you promote that, and that can grow your audience as well. And then um, finally, something we've seen that works very well is access to higher rewards. So there was a project called I Am Talent, about a homeless skateboarder uh, from South Africa now trying to make his way and sort of become a man in and a professional skateboarder in Los Angeles. And she knew that most of her audience was actually like young skate kids who had a little bit but not much access to capital. Then she made a $1,000 reward where talent, the skateboarder, and one of his pro-skateboard friends like Kenny Anderson would show up at your school and do a skateboard demonstration at the $1,000 level. But every $5 contribution qualified you for a raffle drawing for the $1,000 prize. So it made it. made she knew, she knew her audience, she knew how much money they had, and she knew exactly what would appeal to them and she made something of the $5 reward and the $1,000 reward that neither one alone could have been. So that's all I'll say about that.
2: Um, And, you know, uh, these guys have have, have commented a lot already on what works as perks, and so you know, I'll just make a couple of quick points. Um, People contribute to a campaign for one of three reasons in our estimation, and we call them the three Ps, Um, the person, uh, the project, or the perk. Um, and so, to that end, actually, all your perks should relate to relate to that. So, if it's about the per, if people are contributing um, because of the person, have perks that are related to the person. Whether it is, I'll give you an example. Um, there was a great documentary that funded not too long ago on Indiegogo called Return to Timbuktu. It was executive produced by Alex Gibney and Vim Venders, uh, two noted documentary filmmakers. Um, and one of the perks that they offered up, along with the first-time uh, documentary feature uh, filmmaker, uh, Michael Meredith, was a, a docu, if you will, uh, where they were offering up uh, a classroom, uh, a virtual classroom, so that you could learn from the experts on how to be a documentary filmmaker. Um, and, you know, it was sort of a, it was a small class, um, very sort of uh, almost one-on-one, so to speak. And um, that was valuable because it was for about the person that people were contributing for, um, about the project. You know, um, there's a great doc, uh, There's a great sorry. It's a great narrative feature right now on in Indiegogo, and this sort of showcases um, our global reach. There's a, a, a female director out of Laos uh, in East Asia right now. She is crowdfunding her first feature film. And one of the perks that she's offering up at at a higher end is a tour of Laos. And, you know, people are going to more and more to East Asia these days, Cambodia, uh, Thailand, and and so forth. And so having somebody who lives in Laos and can walk you around and showcase you, and and I think even the perk says ply you with beer, um, you know, I think it's a great experience. Um, And then, of course, the perk itself uh, being the last part. Um, you know, being fun and inventive. You know, we what we we will also talk about are the three different types of perks. There's standard definition, that's you know, your your stickers, your social media shout-out, your your DVD, um, you know, that's sort of standard definition. There's high definition, uh, you know, which goes on to maybe the the uh set visit or take to the premiere, and then there's the high definition. Um, you know, as my colleague John Trigonis really speaks to uh, on, on a number of occasions, which is where you do the unique item, uh, where you do the Magna Carta. Or, you know, you have someone write you a song or a poem on a ukulele, and they play it specifically just for you. Um, it's a unique one-on-one experience, and those perks are awesome. Because as as Emily said, uh, rightly, whatever draws you more into the project, whatever makes you have more of a relationship with the filmmaker, with the film, makes you feel so much more a part of the process and so much more that you want to talk and and shout from the rooftops. Look what this person is doing. This movie is amazing. And if you're not contributing to them, uh, to the project, if you're not helping them out, you're a fool because this is amazing and you should be part of that process. And yeah, oh, Any last thoughts on? Rewards on... Is,
3: um, oh, yeah. Sorry. One thing I would add about rewards is like, think about your friends. Like, would your friends think your rewards were cool? And if the answer is yes, then you're probably doing great rewards. If the answer is no, then you might want to, you know, rethink your rewards. Like, if it's something you think would be cool if you, you know, got that as a reward on someone else's campaign, then you're in the right ballpark. So just think about it. You know, what you think is cool is probably what everyone else is going to think is cool. That's it.
1: So I can't, I can't believe it. The time is going too quickly, and you guys have too mm-hmm. much, too many interesting things to say. So we are going to start taking some questions from our audience, and we have one already from Caleb Thomas, who who asks, how do you bridge the difference in campaigns launched in say Huntsville, Alabama versus New York City? Meaning, does the location of the launch, how vital is that to the importance of the success of a campaign?
4: May I start? Yes, Emily. Um, Hi, Caleb. Uh, My very first crowdfunding campaign uh, was for the first feature I produced called Like the Water. And um, it was a film shot in Camden, Maine, which is a tinier, tinier town than Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, what we did with our uh, project ended up sort of giving birth to Seed and Spark. We made uh, what we called a wish list that worked like a wedding registry. And we listed all of the individual items we needed, um, you know, from locations and car rentals, bug spray, sunscreen, um, camera rentals, uh, props, and um, booze, and all of those things. And because we were making the film in Camden, Maine, it changed the way that we did our outreach so that we went, you know, far and wide with the ask for contributions of cash, but we went directly into the community for in-kind contributions. And what happened was we raised $23,000 in cash when we only needed 20. This was in our own website at the time. Um, We raised hundreds of thousands of dollars in in in-kind donations from the local community, and as a result, every time we've shown the film up there, there's been a line down the block and around the corner of incredibly invested um, community folks. So uh, I think it's it's really important to remember how valuable your physical community is um, and not focus solely on the virtual community.
1: Okay, and I think, I think we'll take turns answering questions so we can get more questions in. Um, so the next question is from Von Gray, who asks, uh, do you recommend launching a campaign on multiple sites at the same time? Um, and how, uh, and actually I'll add to that, and how do you decide which site to go with? That that was my part, the second one. And this one I will let you all answer to be fair.
2: Hmm. So, um, uh, so I'll, I'll chime in. Um, as far as launching on multiple sites, um you're more, well, we're more than welcome to do it. Um, we don't recommend it um, simply because you're 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 splitting the message. Um, you're telling people to go here and to go there and to go there. Um, you want to funnel your crowd. You want to funnel momentum. You want to funnel all that energy into one place, and that means launching on one particular platform. And that platform is Indiegogo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Really quickly, because I, I know we're, we're short on time, and um, I, you know, I could tell you, you, know, all day long why, you know, we're the best platform for, for filmmakers. You know, in the last in the last year alone, we've seen uh, the amount of funds raised in our film community uh, double. Um, you know, it, it's a growing, stronger community than ever. Um, uh, less than two weeks ago, uh, these awesome filmmakers from Austin collectively known as Rooster Teeth launched an in Indiegogo, and within 48 hours, sorry, 52 hours, uh, they raise over a million dollars. Uh, now two weeks in, halfway through the campaign, give or take, uh, they've raised 1.7 million dollars, uh, again with two more weeks to go. Um, but with us, we're an open platform, as I said earlier, we're an accessible platform. You know, We don't tell you uh, if you can or cannot crowdfund, the crowd decides. Uh, we also offer you more options in terms of how you fund your campaign, fixed and flexible, all or nothing, or, uh, or keep it your raise. Also offer more options in how you pay to fund a project, whether it be PayPal or credit cards or wire transfer. We also allow you to fund your project where you want to. Uh, through Indiegogo Outpost, you can actually embed your campaign on your own native website, gain take the organic traffic that you have, merchandise, whatever you want to do, You can do it. And still have your project mirrored on Indiegogo.com so you're getting the best of both worlds, the stranger dollars and your organic traffic on your native website. And again, on Indiegogo, there's over 12 million visitors every single month. So, I mean, by and large, um, we've seen films uh, all shapes and sizes um, and all great partners like AFI and IFP. Um, And I I just think that we're, we're, we're the perfect home for your crowdfunded film.
1: And Emily, I saw you shaking your head when I asked the question about launching on multiple sites at once. If you could dive right into that same question, and thank you, Mark.
4: Sure. Uh, it's it's really just that, um, particularly His really? Kickstarter and Seed&Spark and are, uh, all well, Kickstarter is all or nothing. Seed&Spark is 80% or nothing. Um It would be it would behoove you to focus your efforts on a single platform, and I really agree with Mark about simply just not splitting the message. Um, Just quick details about Seed and Spark because we're we're the new guy in town, which is sort of funny to say 18 months in, um, because it's kind of surprising there aren't more entries into this space uh, in the the film space. Um, But. our, our crowdfunding platform works a little differently. So uh, it's built like a wedding registry. We call it the wish list. You can list the individual items you need to make your film, and your supporters can contribute money towards the items, or they can loan them to you directly. So we're, we're the only platform for crowdfunding and crowdsourcing. Um, so, for example, if somebody loans you your entire camera package, that ticks off that dollar amount from your goal. Um, We're purpose-built for staged financing, which we're seeing filmmakers use more and more, which is to say, um, if you raise a small campaign for development, um, you keep that page and the aggregation of those funders and followers uh, through your next campaign. So let's say you raise for development. Well, I'll use a specific example. Fog City is a project that launched with us when we launched in December of 2012. They raised $6,000 for the development of their short film, They showed their audience all along the way how the development process went. They came back and raised about $35,000 for production. And uh, with about 12 days left to go, they have um, uh, 77% funded um, in their third campaign, which was for post-production. And what they've done is they knew they didn't have the crowd that was big enough to raise $50,000 to start. So they grew it little by little across the course of the campaign. And that's something we offer to all of our filmmakers. So you can aggregate all of your followers. Um, another thing we offer is that your crowd gathering does not stop when the campaign is over. You can continue to gather followers who are not providing financial support but are just providing kind of a high five. That's actually high the five. symbol there um, to your campaign who are staying up to date with you. Um, and that really helps when you get through festival season to, to aggregate those audiences. Um, and have one central place to message them with really good tools. Um, we have a Sparks incentive st- system. So instead of just the uh, the filmmakers providing incentives, the site also provides rewards points called Sparks. Um, and that's because we have a built- in streaming platform. So uh, we have films not only that come from uh, from our from direct from filmmakers, but also from uh, Gravitas, pretty soon Kino Lorber, uh, CineDime, and about five other platforms that I'll mention in a few more weeks. Um, and uh, and so you can actually spend your rewards points to watch this really wonderful growing library of truly independent streaming films on the streaming platform. And recently, we have dipped our toe into distribution. So um, through a partnership with Amex, we... Um, have piloted a program we're calling the In-Home Theatrical Release, where five Seed&Spark distributed films per month um, get into 67 million U.S. homes, and the filmmakers, of course, are paid for it. Um, And we're now uh, doing deals with um, several output uh, companies to, um, to provide guaranteed distribution for films that successfully crowdfund with us. We do have a slightly higher barrier of entry than our counterparts, but we never say no. Um, We simply just provide feedback on the campaign, and generally it becomes a self-selecting process. So somebody will submit their project, we'll provide all of our best practices feedback, and either they take it, and
1: then... Cut off there. Um, I think I I got most of what you said, and um, we are... Almost wrapping up, but obviously we don't want to forget you, Craig. So if you could chime in and um, and tell us, you know, why um, well, why first off, people sh- should or should not go with all three platforms, and then um, you know why it would be wise to go with Kickstarter. Sure.
3: I mean, like everybody else, I would say. It's probably not worth anyone's time launching on multiple platforms because you're going to be driving people to different places to do sometimes different things, and you're really better off, you know, driving uh, people to you know one location. Um, I think the the this isn't a bake off like we're not in competition with anyone else. You know, Kickstarter is uh, a platform unto itself. The the great thing about Kickstarter is it works. You know, we've had over a billion dollars in pledges. Film is one of our uh, biggest categories, both in terms of number of projects, number of successful projects, and amount of money raised. You know, Something like 12% of films at Sundance last year were from Kickstarter. You know, They've been nominated for Oscars, blah, blah, blah. I think the, the thing to talk about with Kickstarter is we're here to help you get your project done. Nobody at Kickstarter, if you come to 58 Kent in Greenpoint, Uh, Brooklyn, which is where our headquarters are and anybody is welcome to come and I just gave a tour this morning to a a filmmaker who's going to be using us. You will never hear anyone here talk about money. We will always talk about projects. We're here to help you get your project done. Kickstarter was founded by a guy who was a waiter and a guy who was a music journalist who thought it'd be great to help people get um, creative projects done. That's what we're here for. When you use Kickstarter, you become part of a a great community, both online, where we have the largest community of backers and the largest community of repeat backers, but also we work with you afterwards. We have a theater here in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, that filmmakers are welcome to use for free to host their screenings. Um, We do panels all over the world, and what we do is we bring the people who have Kickstarter projects onto those panels to talk about their experiences. We try to step back and put our creators in the forefront. Um, we'll put you together with a worldwide community of people who work on film. They're, they're people just, you know, like they share your passions, they share our passions. Um, you know, Liz Holm, who used to be the film specialist at Kickstarter and who recently left, she worked on a film called Obvious Child, which once to Sundance, has gotten distribution she left Kickstarter to go become a film producer, and she still comes in the office, and you know, she will talk to anyone. You are here with a like-minded community of filmmakers who really just want to help you do your project, help you celebrate it, and help you get on to your next thing.
4: Obvious Child is a wonderful film, and everybody who's watching owes it to the independent film community to go see it. Let me just say that.
3: Liz appreciate your support.
1: Yeah and, and then I know we're almost out of time, and we still have so many more questions. So I think um, I mean hopefully we'll, we can do another one of these hangouts, but in the meantime, you can for filmmakers who are interested in asking questions, obviously that there's always email, but also all of the participants have said they will be on Twitter and I can give you their uh, Twitter handles. Uh, Craig is at Craig Angler ENGLER. And actually, IndieWire can tweet this out also. So if you go to at IndieWire, we can share all of your Twitter handles because Mark is the original Hoff, and Emily is at Emily Best. But we will be tweeting those handles after this. And also, we will be posting a transcript of this uh, video in case you wanted to go back and, and reference it. And um, we're so glad you were able to join us here. We can continue... I'm sure, talking about this for hours. And um, as I said, hopefully we will continue, perhaps, on Twitter or another Google Hangout. Parting words?
4: Yeah, may I just say I'm profoundly honored to have been asked to, and Alistair always has to get the last word in. Sorry about that. The transcript will just read woof, woof, woof. Um, I'm just, I'm really honored to have been asked to be here. Um, seed and spark is, is the newest and, and the, the smallest, uh, eager, younger sibling of two really trailblazing companies who, um, have brought so much possibility to the creative world. So we're really honored to just kind of share this space with these pioneers.
2: Craig? No, go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, no, I, I, so to echo Emily, I, I appreciate um, everyone taking the time. Uh, Paul, thank you for taking the time. Emily, and Craig, um, you know, uh, I think as Emily said at best, no pun intended, um, that you know we're doing something special here. You know, um, whether you're uh, going to campaign on Indiegogo, Kickstarter, or or Seed and Spark, you know, uh, we're all aiming for the same thing, which is to promote filmmakers get films, to get made, um, and then have them seen. Um, if we were doing anything else, we wouldn't be doing our job. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's my parting, uh, parting uh, comments.
3: Yeah. I just want to say thank you all for having us. It's been great. Thanks to my counterparts over at the other sites and really like the message to filmmakers out there is you can make a film. You can use any of these sites to do it. You don't have to use any of our sites to do it. Yeah. Make your film, get it out there. That's the most important thing. If you want us to help, we're here to help. If you want them to help, they're here to help. But the biggest thing is go out there and make a great film and then make another one after that.
4: Thank you, Craft Truck and Andy Wire.
3: Thanks, Paula. Thank you. Paula, leave? I think Paula is gone. Okay. All right. Thanks, hey, so everyone. It was great okay. chatting. Bye.